but don't tell anybody I said so, Dan. Anyway, it's, uh, that's for that's for later. Wait, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to Men Seeking Tomahawks, the variety and talk show your mom and dad warned you about. It is I, Jack Drastic. It is he, Mama's fancy boy, Danny Franks. Danny. How are we this evening? Good. Volume 2, Episode 2. Did they do that right? Sure. Sure, why not? There's so many different numeral schemes that we could go with. We could go with the overall. We could go with the, the yearly. We could go with season series 2. You remember like getting magazines back in the day when those were a thing that people really like subscribed to on a wide-scale basis? And they'd always have some weird convention, some weird numbering convention. Oh, so yeah. it would be like you'd have your month. But then it would be volumes and chapters, and it's like, wait, it's just a monthly magazine. Why do we need all of these things to to track? That obviously didn't make sense, anyways. I'm I live my life in a state of constant confusion. So mm. why not why not keep that up? So Dan, I have to ask you. Speaking of, of weird things in general, I have to ask you about a a thing I do, and I, and I need to know from you if this is something. Something you've heard of or something that you just find odd because um, I have certain dressing myself habits. I have certain clothing myself techniques and there's a few little quirky things that apparently I do that have been pointed out to me and they're not things that I think about. They're things that I just do whilst dressing myself, whilst donning my attire and uh i did a thing the other day that i guess i've been doing since i was a child and uh a person watching me do this perform this act (laughs) seemed to be very confused at what i was doing so dan here's the question have you ever have you ever used the mouth of your sock to floss your toes before you put on your sock. No, like, just like it sounds, huh? You just kind of, before putting your foot all the way in, you just kind of run each toe gap through the through the, the rim of the sock, huh? Yeah. I didn't even... I, this like is both feet every time? I don't know. I think I do it just about every time. And like just the big toe between the big toe and the second toe or like all five or all four gaps. You can do if you if you do it right, you're holding the you're holding the sock. You can do two gaps at a time. Yeah. You just put one toe in the sock and then you go do 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 and then you do it a couple more times and you're done cuz you, cuz you can hit two two gaps at once. I don't know why I do this or when I started doing this. It it's something that I swear I think I've been doing since I was a kid. But think about it, right? If there's anything linty going on down there, boom, gone. Like nothing is going. No, no. I mean, that's also is- what showers are for. Ah, but but what? But think about the distance that you travel between the shower and the sock installation. So something could jump up in there. Anything could happen. Not for me because before my shoe and my sock are on, it's it's all covered. Speaking of socks, um. I happen to have a home that, fortunately enough for me, has wood floors. I, I like it. It's nice. Um, Must be But nice. with wood floors comes splinters. Mm. And typically floors you'd think are finished, so that doesn't happen. Especially, in a, as we've talked about 
during this volume or chapter of Men Seeking Tomahawks. It's a, a newer home, therefore it's not like there's this rustic floor. It's a newer wood floor. And uh, yet yesterday when I was walking through the kitchen, dinner was ready and it was being served by me. And you ever like take a step a little too far and you kind of slide a little bit on your socks. Um, you don't have your feet under you. Well, I did that and a sharp pain shot up from under me, almost like if you ever stepped on glass and it's just like out of nowhere and you just reach down and you're like, okay, somebody must have dropped a glass and uh, a couple weeks ago and I, I found the last shard. Yeah. And so I thought it was that and I reached down and pulled something out and then took my next step and ow, it still was something in there. So I take off my sock, again, speaking of socks, because this was all through one, and sat down and had a look, and there was a big wooden, I'll call it a dowel. It was really big in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I proceeded to have to take spend the next 30 minutes performing surgery on the bottom of my foot to pull this thing out. Uh, yeah, just like cutting away and just grabbing every sharp object I can find in my restroom and until I can just dig this out. It was really a... A gruesome scene, but um, you know, I'm here to report. I think I got about three quarters of that dowel out of there, and uh, the rest it's on its own. I thought you were gonna say three quarters of the foot removed, like just. I, I at one point I was thinking I might as well just go for that. Like that's that was the only option to get rid of this stupid thing. I used yeah I used to live in a rundown uh, makeshift apartment in Jersey City, New Jersey. Shout out! And uh, the uh, the floor was falling apart. It was uh, just an unfinished wood floor, and just yeah, every once in a while you would just catch uh, one of those little side bits of the board just comes oh. up and just gashes through you. So Dan, you need I'm just you know circling back, wrapping you know I want to circle back with you on this if okay. I could, if I could, Dan. Yeah, I just want to make sure that next time you're installing socks, give yourself a little a uh, little flossy dust just. Just see what happens. See, I'll see report how that back. changes your day. How about day. that? I'll yeah. report back. Let let us know, Dan. So I don't know, man. What do you think we should do this evening? What what does Dan want to talk about? What should we chit chat about? Well, last week was exciting. It was our first show of the new year, and it was fun. But I, I kind of felt like we left something on the table because we didn't really talk about New Year's things. And I feel like you kind of have to have an a, a, an episode. We talk about you know resolutions and the years to come, the year to come, that kind of thing, and yep. so I wanted to talk a little about resolutions. Uh, but before that, I also wanted to talk about like predictions because that's the other thing that people often do at the end of a year or the beginning of the oh, year, yeah. talk about what's to come. But man, the last two years have been so bad, and like this year might be the same. So I don't really want to do like a real predictions talk. So I want to look back. I, I pulled together a list of some of the, I guess you can call them like worst predictions ever made in technology and business by really smart famous people kind of chat about those and maybe poke some fun at some of those people that you know still turned out okay for them but we got some things we can make fun of them for so that's what i want to do next fun guys sounds like fun so y'all coming up next it's our obligatory new year's episode but first let us start off with a little bit of ambient music from the ukraine this is Sunny Day Studio with Night Sky right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
Sunny Day Studio. The track Night Sky. That is a little bit of ambient music all the way from the Ukraine, Dan. And if you would like to hear more from Sunny Day Studio or any of the musicians featured on the program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. Daniel, I send it to you. Thanks, Jack. Uh, yeah, so like I said, going into the break, I pulled together some fun uh, historical predictions, and uh, these date back just over 100 years, and I've sorted them kind of chronologically, so we can go through this list. Uh, ends up being nine predictions, and I've got, they're all kind of based on a certain category. So what you'll see here, what you'll hear here, uh, is I'll give you the year that this prediction was made, read you the quote, then we can have a little fun banter about each one, and like I said, poke some fun at the prognosticators of the of the segment so first one jack it's figured this would be a good first one because last week's episode was all about cars so this is a a cars prediction from 1903 and the quote says the automobile is a fad a novelty horses are here to stay and that was a quote from the president of the michigan savings bank and he actually made this quote to a man named horace rackham who was with uh, the henry ford company And it was because, you know, oftentimes these banks invest in businesses. Uh, You know, you hear about like J.P. Morgan Chase having investments and all these things. Well, uh, Ford was trying to pitch pitch this Michigan Savings Bank to invest in Henry Ford Motor Company. And uh, let's just say this guy probably made the wrong choice. You'd imagine that the, the bank at the time was pretty invested in the horsing industry, right? I mean... Probably had a bunch of money uh, tucked away in horseshoes and bits and carrots. You know, and I don't know. Like, did they do loans on horses like you do loans on cars? If so, <laughs> he might have been in the horse loan business. Yeah, maybe. I feel I feel for the guy, but because uh, <laughs> I, you know, spoiler alert, he was wrong. That said, there's a lot to learn there, though, right? Because. I feel as if there are industries these days that are disruptive to the status quo. And it's really easy for people to not remember that once upon a time ago, a horse was it. You know, you weren't thinking that uh, you needed anything else. I got what I got. I don't need anything else. And so I think that could be applied to present day logic where you see something coming out, automated vehicles, for instance. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, this will never catch on. It's like, eh, there's people that thought the car wouldn't catch on in the first place. Yeah, and, and I think that'll kind of be a theme of this whole segment will be the people making these quotes had some reason for what they were predicting to actually be their prediction. Um, like you said, in this guy's case, and it's funny because I started reading, like, who was this guy? Like, what was his reasoning? Because all these quotes kind of have, like, backstories to them. And this one in particular was, I guess, at the time... Uh, bicycles had started to become popular and everyone, it was one of those things, everyone got a bike and he said, well, you know, last year all you just saw the whole side of the street was lined with bicycles and this year there's not as many bikes on the side of the road it's like same thing's going to happen with automobiles like people go out and buy them and then figure out like the horse was better and then they'll kind of fade away again, so interesting to hear the bike and the horse compared like that. My my kid last last Christmas I had to get him a penny farthing. This year he wants a Model T. Like when is it in? What's <laughs> what's coming next year? I don't even know. That's right. So the next one it's a it's a Beatles prediction from 1962, 
and this is the quote we don't like their sound and guitar music it's on the way out and that was an executive <laughs> from Decca Records which was at the oh. time a well-known UK record label sure. as they rejected the Beatles following an audition God. now so, some clarity clarity points here um George Best was currently the drummer at the time so no Ringo Starr yet could have i don't know if the the drumming is what sounded like the issue was the guitar not the drumming with this person um and then later on in an article paul mccartney re-listened to the tape and said yeah we actually probably weren't that good so he might have been right yeah uh i mean have you I, i don't know i guess we haven't talked about like your interest in the beatles like mine is about equal to my interest in any music really so i can't uh speak too too fondly one way or the other uh, yeah I'm, I'm definitely more the music guy on this show i think that given that the beatles were so different i mean i i would be really fascinated to hear what sort of audition track they they had provided to Decca. i i can't imagine it was too far off from what their their general situation was because they had been playing for so long together uh but yeah i think that the british invasion quote unquote was not something that anybody saw coming right and so it had to be very different from the what buddy hollies and elvis presley's and whatever else you know that 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 was that was so different compared to what they were getting uh what they were putting out there at that point so i get it i feel bad for the guy Gosh, you hear these stories about what, like uh, Squid Games and some of these other like TV shows that are runaway hits. That become, and how- yeah, phenomena, and then you know yeah. you hear about the people that turned them down dozens of times. And it's and it's easy and it's easy to say. Like, it's kind of interesting what you said about Paul saying that we probably weren't that good at that point with you know with whatever they gave to Decca. Maybe it was the wrong, like, it's so, it's the whole butterfly effect thing is what I'm thinking, right? Right. Because, like, maybe, maybe, what if Decca would have signed him, but then Decca turned him into something that they thought was marketable, but it just turned into a watered down version. So, who knows what would have, what would have ended up happening. Yeah. Right. Or if Decca's just like, yeah, the, you guys are good. This George Best guy, keep him around. Like, you guys can yeah. be a studio band here or something like that. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I do think, like, guitar music is on the way out. Like, what? What would have <laughs> we're bringing back the uh, bringing back the piano? Like, let's just uh, the kids love the George Shearing. <laughs> we need the big brass bands in here. Get uh, get that going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so fast forward about ten years. We've got a PC prediction. You remember those, Jack? The personal computer. That's right. And this says there is no reason an individual would ever want a computer in their home. Mid seventies. <laughs> And this is a quote uh, attributed to Ken Olson, who was the founder of Mary Kate Nashley. No, no, maybe no. Uh, the predecessor, a rel- relative. No, uh, the founder of Digital Equipment Corporation, Deck. And uh, I've got a, you know, I got a full disclosure here. Uh, my mother was an employee of Deck in the mid '80s, so um, oh. just to make sure there's no conflicts of interest, I felt like I had to throw that out there. That's an interesting topic. We should. <laughs> we need to. We already know all about the mystery man that is Gary Franks. Let's talk about mom someday. That'd be cool. No, but uh, yeah, so this this is funny, though. I mean, obviously, looking back, like, it's real fun to 
laugh and point at this guy as we have several of these things spread throughout everybody's house, it seems like. I, I'm just going to throw a guess out there that uh, Mr. Olson was probably... I mean, I mean there's got to be a number of reasons as to why he would say that someone wouldn't want a computer in their house. And the first one that pops to my mind is the fact that back then a computer was the size of a room. So I'm just thinking like he probably didn't see personal computers as the, you know, the direction. He thought you'd have to have a whole room and power supply and you know all, all that jazz to have a computer in your house. Yeah, and you know, it's actually really funny because I've had these conversations with my mom before because, you know, her her recalling working for that company and they you know, what she did was she would go to places of business where they'd install the computer systems, but the way they worked then was they would have the big server room, which is like the main computer, and then you'd basically have dummy units at all the desks. Everything was, you know, hardwired back to that computer and you just kind of had, you know, a display and terminal. And, yeah, yeah, terminal with some basic functions. And we laugh now because that's really a lot of what we're working with these days with cl cloud computing. You know, yeah. we've got these um, Chromebooks or iPads where, you know, they got a little bit of storage. But for the most part, you're linking up with, you know, Apple storage or Dropbox or Google Drive. And you kind of have that same dummy terminal going again when, you know, more and more of the cloud. Like same thing. We're watching movies or listening to music. None of that's stored on our computer anymore. We're just accessing it on the cloud, whereas then it was accessing it on the server. Um, it's kind of uh, it feel, it's a little full circle. It is, but just to think about the scale of, of the of of the, the the comparison here, because basically then what you were accessing was so teeny tiny compared to what is accessible now, given the the, the differences in the technology and the yeah, whatever you loaded on that computer room <laughs> that's what you yeah, had that, that, you know there's a little bit of internet but like not in the 70s not a whole lot of it no yeah no that computer room if you would have like uploaded uh, a season of seinfeld that would have filled the computer room <laughs> the room who, yeah who not the computer, the computer room yeah yeah what is what this? is what is seinfeld <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's a, it about that's a funny funny visual yeah uh so the next one keeping on the computing uh, theme this is from 1992 a mobile computing prediction and this says, the idea of a wireless personal communicator in every pocket is a pipe dream driven by greed. This is Andy Grove at the 1992 mobile conference. So first of all, and he was the CEO for Intel at the time. First of all, you get on stage at the mobile conference and tell everyone, hey, what you're here for, <laughs> it's a pipe dream. So you must have been a little evil. But second of all, obviously, you know, very wrong because we've all got our wireless personal communicators traveling with us at all times. Man, that is a. Uh, th there's not enough detail. There's not enough information there. I feel like I want to go back and and learn a little bit more about a that person and b the situation. Because yeah, you're right. To go to a conference that is dedicated to mobile devices and say that they're not, they're just uh, <laughs> not going to happen. That that's wild. That's a wild one. Yeah. I mean, it, I am not as up to date or up to speed on the 1992 mobile conference, but I have to imagine that there was some interest from most of those people in that room and, in, in, right. you know, what becomes a cell phone. Um, like what, what was his alternative? Like guys, look, there's, uh, these things called Tamagotchis that I just think that's the next big thing. Like, <laughs> right, what, like, what, I wonder what his his angle was. Yeah, I don't know. And, and you know, the rest of the article, the little bit of context that there was, 
you know, the, the technology was underdeveloped. This is 1992. So, I mean, you know, you maybe had car phones that were anything but mobile at the time, anything but wireless, I should say. Uh, and the other thing is this is the guy who was the CEO of Intel, which, you know, right. have you heard about Intel's phones? No, because <laughs> they didn't they didn't do it, right? They missed the boat. So, uh, yeah. So he said mobile communicators was, was the Wireless dream? personal communicator in every pocket. Wow. I mean, that Gosh. basically is a cell phone, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it could uh, have yeah, been a beeper. We had beepers then, right? There were beepers could going on. Oh, yeah. We had our beepers. Did you ever want a beeper, by the way? Like, because I remember seeing beepers and just thinking they were cool, but didn't really need one. Yeah, I, I seem to remember a friend of mine... He uh, he and I would go to the the local Radio Shack that we also we actually got job we got got jobs at man Radio Shack was a magic place for a brief period of time and uh, I remember that he for whatever reason he always had a lot more like walking money than mm. I did and uh, I remember he got a discman which was you know, that was that was big that was big baller stuff right there but then he yeah he had a beeper and, and I don't. Like I remember, his mom would beep him every once in a while, or like a friend would. But yeah, I mean, we were kids, so I'm sure that there were business applications that made lots of sense for beepers. Not so much for 14, 15 year old boys. Yeah, I do remember the uh, the parental units getting the beep and having to find the payphone at the restaurant to to call mm-hmm. into work. Um, I do remember when I asked for a beeper, I got the those beepers are for drug dealers. <laughs> Only drug dealers need beepers. Dan was like, yeah, I want to sell crack, Mom. How am I supposed to learn business? Yeah. So speaking of the connected uh, technology, the internet prediction, this one's from 1995. Uh, I predict the internet will soon go spectacularly supernova and in 1996, catastrophically collapse. So that's a lot of big words, but um, this person in 1995... Must have felt the the bubbling of the internet coming to the surface, but he figured within one year, it would crat- catastrophically collapse. So, this is Robert Metcalf, who actually is the inventor of Ethernet. So, he kind of had a reason to hope that it worked out well. Uh, but yeah, he wrote that in InfoWorld magazine. And funny enough, in 1999 at another conference, this was the WWW conference, which. World Wide Web Conference. That's uh, as about as dated as the Mobile 92 Conference. But uh, So he said this in 95. So four years later, on stage at this conference, he took a printed version of this article, put it in a blender, blended it up, and Jack, he literally ate his own words on stage. Player of the episode. Took out a spoon and ate the goop. And then like in mid, mid-chew, he uh, got on the microphone and said that he confirmed that the ink was not toxic before doing this stunt. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's funny. You ever see like a an exchange or something like this, and you're like, "Man, I really want follow up here," but you just delivered it, which is nice. That never happens. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, and that's why I I really like this one because a lot of these, you know, these people with egg on their face kind of are gonna hold their ground and say, "Well, how was I supposed to know?" This guy, like, just flat out, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, well, and I'm sure that's the thing, like going back and listening to all these, I'm sure these people had their reasons for their prediction, and that's what I'd love to know more about, you know, is like, why do you think the internet is going to collapse? Like, back then, the mid-90s, that, uh, I don't know, did you ever watch that uh, Bo Burnham special I told you to watch, the inside one? Hot dog. No. (laughs) God, hot dogs. You need to watch that, because they, 
he 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 talks a little bit about the internet and it's pretty great because back then yeah it was uh blogs and chat rooms and there just wasn't much to it so i you know it's hard for someone in the mid 90s to see what this thing ultimately becomes well you know it, this was not a setup but this is one I actually did have a few more notes on so his reasoning for this was first internet data links would be overloaded so he felt like there wasn't the infrastructure there for mass adoption Okay. Uh, he said the proposed flat rate business model would not bring in enough money to fund growth. So I guess the uh, money... Net neutrality. Mm. Uh, investors would not be willing to stomach long-term losses. So I guess he felt like the internet as a whole uh, would take a while to get to mass adoption, which it did from 1995. Yeah. Uh, right. And then he said the internet would face significant security issues. Now... That's, you know, the, the brightest thing he said there that, you know, came true the most and still is happening every day are the security issues. Now, the difference was he predicted that would be something that would keep it from taking off. But instead, it's it's a feature. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, you know, and it's funny, too, because I don't think anyone back then would have seen. I think the biggest thing about the Internet is the misinformation and the, the manipulation that we face and we're dealing with constantly now. I. I feel like back then the whole thing was framed as the information revolution, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody is going to have a library. Everybody's going to have the whole of human knowledge readily available at 24 seven to them. I don't think they ever thought about, Oh, but what if somebody gets on there and decides to tell you that, uh, you know, horse dewormer is a cure for things, you know, <laughs> it's like, they didn't see that one coming. Like nobody, pre I don't, I, I would love to see if someone predicted that. Yeah, I don't think they did. <laughs> but <laughs> here we are. Here, and here we are. So here's the next one. This is a music subscription prediction from 2003. And it says, the subscription model of buying music is bankrupt. I think you could make available the second coming in a subscription model and it might not be successful. That's the one you might have heard of. His name is Steve Jobs, Jack. The man behind oh, Apple. Oh, and, he, and he's, uh, ah, so he, hmm, so this is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So his view on the subscription model, it's based on how consumers typically consumed audio basically up until that point. So if this is 2003, his rationale was, well, when music started being publicly commercially available, people bought them on 45s, then they bought them on LPs, then it was cassettes, then it was 8-tracks, then it was CDs. And at this point in time, 2003, you were getting single song or album downloads that you were paying on a you know one-off basis. And he yeah. felt like that was the next wave, which it kind of was at the time. People were doing one-off downloads. But he sure. kind of flat out said, like, hey, so the subscription model is not what people are used to with music. Therefore, it's never going to fit. And, you know, to be fair, like that all-you-can-eat kind of model that we have now with Netflix for video Spotify, Spotify, Pandora, whatever, Apple, everyone has their own version of it. it. It wasn't something we had in any form of media, really. Uh, even, you know, you would have your Netflix, I'm not your Netflix, but your HBOs and things like that. But it wasn't on demand. It was just, you know, premium channels. And I don't know if you <laughs> recognize any of these names, but at the time, there was only three major subscription music services out there. MusicNet, Pressplay, and Rhapsody. And none of them really ever gained a whole lot of traction. No, I remember Rhapsody, but I don't. Uh, I don't recall the other two. But the tech. I mean, I, I I see I see his point because the technology just wasn't there 
It, it wasn't there. You couldn't really, you, you couldn't just sit here, sit here and scroll and then hit a song and then skip the song. And it, it was just far more tedious. It was. And I guess the, the other thing here was because these musicians were still either, you know, in 2003, CDs were still a thing that people were buying. But then also those one-off music downloads where from a, I guess, financial standpoint, if someone bought an album for 13 bucks as a CD or $13 as an album download, those musicians were basically getting the same share. So to them, it was in their best interest to keep propping that up and not you know, licensed back catalogs or new albums to these upstart services. Whereas now you don't have a choice. So it was just a, I think just a matter of time until all those pieces fell into place. Next, we have a spam prediction 2004 and it says two years from now, which would be 2006 spam will be solved. (laughs) And that is from Bill Gates (laughs) at the World Economic Forum in 2004. That's that's just like funny. There's not a whole lot to say there other than that's a funny prediction and uh, it didn't come true. If only. Microsoft at the time was working on three different solutions to spam. And obviously none of those worked. No. And if they did, they worked for five minutes before the other guys figured out how to get, how to bypass them. Yeah, I mean, last I checked, my Gmail still gets about a thousand new spam messages. Now, Gosh, to be fair, yeah. the spam filters are good. You mostly go in there sure. and delete all every you know every few months or something. Yeah, no, that's true. And then the last one, Jack. This is an iPhone prediction, and I saved this one for last because you're the newest member of the iPhone universe. Joined uh, the cult. Two thousand seven. And this is there's no chance that the iPhone is going to get any significant market share. No chance. It's a $500 subsidized item. They may make a lot of money, but if you actually take a look at 1.3 billion phones that get sold, I'd prefer to have our software in 60% or 70% or 80% of them than I would to have 2% or 3%, which is what Apple might get. And that's the former CEO of Microsoft, Steve Ballmer. Future Clippers owner. Well, he, he, he did okay, but okay. Uh, he was not, not correct. Yeah, you know, I feel. I know, I know. A lot of this we were talking about professionals, like people in finance or technology, but a lot of the time it's like journalists that are making these bold predictions. And I'm sure that there were similar journalists putting out stories at the time. I do feel. I kind of feel bad. Well, heck, I feel bad for all of them. You know, it's like you, you you're you're doing your best. To, uh, and hindsight is wonderful, but like you presented with the facts, you, you got a job to do and trying to put this thing together and you, sometimes you're wrong and you just look silly, huh? Yeah, and I guess the, the theme to all of this is that when these people are interviewed or they're on stage at a conference or something like that, like everyone wants to make those those headline remarks. Like they're not necessarily thinking yeah. like, "Hey, what about in fifty years? What are people on a you know stupid podcast going to be saying about <laughs> about this quote yeah. if it doesn't come true?" They're like, "Hey, I've got this room full of people, or I've got these people reading USA Today. Like, I want to make something that gets them talking about me." Uh, right, and that's what happens. It is, and it's good. I like again, like I said about the horsies. It's good. I think it's good to apply this sort of hindsight to right now like what are people saying is absolutely not a possibility and think about hey this isn't the first this ain't the first go round right so 
Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, cool. Thank you, Dan. Coming up next, we're going to delve into resolution discussion. A little bit of convo about resolutions. But first, let us listen to some hip-hop from the Bronx. This is Bizavelli with OK Cool right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. Okay, cool. cool. You don't feel me, but don't act like a fool. Master Velik, but you know what I know. Not a medicine, you ain't got a jewels. Tell your bitch I'm on the way to the booth. Chin check, I hit your neck with a swoosh. Big blast, all my levels is proof. Insects from this heavenly view, no interest on the petty they do. You can't affect the real. Through a storm, niggas and niggas still. Don't fold, don't bend, don't squeal. I told her to blow in his mic, I'ma get you a deal. Okay, cool. You know the rules. Up it and squeeze and tuck it and move. You a sucker, biggest duck in your crew. They don't even bump a knuckle with you. So I'm saying, nigga, suck with your butt. Lane Wayne with a bucket of crew. It's Teddy Payne, I'm just bumping the groove. Told the shake and give it up like a sauce. You know this drone independent, them niggas ain't stay on the boat till it's finished. This here just cooking, no gimmicks. I blow two holes up, all your business from my to my business. Cool, nothing to gain. You jumping in front of a train. Right, 32 up in this thing. Fuck what you claim, don't be a stain. I'm with the bird, I'm with the pie. Sick of the old same slice, door kick, do a domain. Heist duct tape for your dog and your wife. Okay, cool. You can hate me, just don't act like a fool. Open it safe, feel open it smooth. We don't need no mistakes in this room. Say I'm tripping, had an A for the show. We gon' sweep him, cause I came with the bro. Wolf gang, give a gain to the moon. Just took this from the plate to a spoon. My pinky ring doing the wop. We don't be fucking with cops. We let it bug at the cops. Most haters should be at the top. I do my bop in the spot. Don't be at the function for static. If that's what you want, you can have it, cause I can spread love your cabbage. I got balance, let's get it established. Stack the growth and get rid of the baggage. This I shit, you gon' sniff through the package. She don't want you, she picking a savage. What you say, you just stick being average. You don't want me embarrassing, ain't no comparisons. I get the vent and they tell me I'm arrogant. Niggas is mumbling, niggas is traveling. Ain't got no handle off the glass of alley, you're bad at myself. Bad myself. As soon as I drop it, you back on the shelf. Could cry, could lie, could cap to yourself. Not from your realm, just pass me the belt. Bitch, jump in this pie, you gon' melt. My makeup is different, I scheme you for pelt. The biggest they told us to get. Why? The and all the family we split up the wealth. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Pinky ring doing a wild. Buck ten, what I do on a cop. I might make a move with your bop. Might make a move with your bop. Buck fifty, what I got for a op. Okay, cool. Might hit a stain on the cop. Pinky ring doing a wild. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Pinky ring doing a wild. Ten, what I do on a cop. Might make a move with your bop. Might make a move with your bop. Buck fifty, what I got for a op. Hit a stain right on. Okay, cool. Hip hop music from the Bronx. That is Bizavelli with Okay Cool. What say you, Dan? That was that was some some goodness, was it not? I mean, you know, as I as I said earlier in the episode, I'm not a music person, but hip hop is one of those musical stylings. Is a good way to put it. I do like some hip hop. The person I live with, uh, she doesn't like it as much as me, so I don't get to listen to hip hop as often as I want to, but. Well, you can listen to it right here on the show. So let's talk about some New Year's resolutions, shall we? That's right. That's what everyone has to do, right? Going into the new year, you got to put some resolutions on paper or in your head, or at least pretend you do, or grumble about others who do. I know it's a big thing at the gym to grumble about it being extra crowded in January because of New Year's resolutions. But listen, listen, hold on. Gym people, we we don't complain about you when you show up in the bar on New Year's Eve. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so just or church at Christmas, right? Give us our week or two in in your gyms, and we'll we'll let you keep coming back to the bar. 
That's right. Let Jack go to church on Easter and Christmas. And uh, yeah, so so I thought it would be fun to uh, re- go over uh, the seven New Year's resolutions that are most common or most made by Americans, as compiled by someone. It's just a, a thing. It's just a compilation. Uh, so we'll kick it off here with number seven uh, New Year's resolution, and that's taking up a new hobby. Mm. It's always a fun one. Now, um, I detailed my 2020 hobby uh, extensively, and that's repairing golf carts. So I did oh, that in 2021. I, I talked about how much of a failure that was. Yeah. But the 2021 uh, hobby, getting back into podcasting, that was a good one, right? Yeah. Successful. Uh, I think so. I'm sure I'm sure at some point you were recording another podcast that was actually successful during 2021. Then do this one just to, as a warm-up act, right? Uh, any hobbies on, on your horizon for this year? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good question. Um, no, See, this I don't have one either. This right? is one no, that I don't, I don't think yeah. I do this one. Yeah, support indie baseball. I'll do that. That's a hobby, a yeah. Hobby. Something we've talked about and we were uh, talking about offline and we'll be talking about again in the summer. That's a good one. Uh, number six, spending more time with family. No. No. No thank, no, thank you. I think this one... See, these these must be like historical top seven. <laughs> because, you know, in, in a normal year you might say, yeah, you know, I was in the office or I was on the road traveling for work yeah. so much. And, uh, you know, I just would want, to, want a few weeks at home with the kids and the wife. But uh, yeah. yeah, after these two years where it's been nothing but at home with the family, uh, exactly. maybe the resolution would be like, hey, we all need to have the opportunity to socialize a little bit more. Like maybe the kids can stay at school for an extended period of time, like yeah. without coming home. That's a, yeah. I don't think that this now in, in the now times translates because either it's like you said, right? Either you're seeing these people all day, every day and you get zero uh, space away from them, zero distance, or you've got an aunt that you haven't seen several years who's talking about how drinking urine will cure what ails her <laughs> on the Facebook and you're like, Oh, I haven't seen her in a while and that is not going to change. So yeah, it's no, 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 that is not a resolution that anybody generally speaking is probably jotting down. So that might be a pre pandemic solution that doesn't maybe it may I don't know. I'm sure there's people that are like going to like they're excited about seeing family, right? Like I'm sure that's out there. But there's also, you know, Nina drinking pee pee. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I don't I'm sure that's out there too. And I don't I don't want to go see Nina drink pee pee, Dan. Well, then let's go to number five because maybe this is a little, a little better. Number five is drink more urine. <laughs> Jar. Jarring. Uh, no, the true number five is pursuing a career ambition. Mm. I bet I bet that's a popular one, seeing as like millions of people are resigning from their jobs. The great resignation. Yeah, I bet that I bet that's a that's a good one. In our career here as podcasters, we actually made a, a show resolution to to welcome no more bits onto the show. No more bits, Dan. And two episodes in, I think we're good. We're doing great. Not been one bit yet today. Off to a fine start. None. Next one, running. I'm in running my own business, uh, always looking to grow it. So my personal resolution is to keep on keeping on there. 
and then personally, maybe some new new side hustles that might take off in 2022. Never know what's going to come about. Maybe I don't think I'll join the great resignation, but I do think there's a lot of people spending their free time coming up with creative things or creative ideas or trying their hand at some new crafts. We've talked about that before, actually, several, maybe a dozen or two dozen episodes ago of this new the new world kind of giving people that freedom and that opportunity to try their hands at things maybe they like a little bit more than their current career. Yeah, I think I think we all know how precious time is for one reason or another now. And so I, d- I definitely, I know a lot of burnout, a lot of uh, things. I think for a lot of people, and I, I'm speaking to myself right now maybe, it's like you're trying to get through this stuff by saying, well... If I if I can get through this part, what is going to be the thing I have to look forward to? You know, what is what is the carrot that I can dangle for myself? So yeah, definitely thinking about what's the fun thing that that I'm heading towards. So the next one, this is number four, and three out of the four all are pretty thematic and pretty predictable. But this is the first of those. So number four, improving your diet. Sure. And Jack, I know you kind of started this a few years ago, maybe within the last year, but you've uh, you've taken quite a drastic step that I never thought the old Jack Jack would make. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I. So I haven't talked about this at all because this is a thing that the stereotype is: if you do this, then that's all you talk about, right? So yeah, back in July, I went and got some some uh, some medical once overs, right? Getting the old checkups, Dan and realized that uh, the diet was not doing me any favors. And so me and the, the cardiologist decided that we should try the, the vegetarian. And so, mm. yeah, for the better part of half a year now, I've been doing the vegetarian thing. Nice. No meat. Been a couple of slip ups, but not in- on purpose or just like, like Acc- accidents, man, it's like hard too. Yeah, it's hard. No, it's accidents. Like, Something accidentally, like some soup had some bacon in it, or uh, a uh, vegetarian dinner was actually a chicken dinner, you know. And but other than that, yeah, I've gone out of my way to make sure I've I've stuck to it. So since you're not doing it for like moral reasons, right? Like there's no like a lot because there are people that go vegan or vegetarian, and it's because you know the documentaries yeah. have chronicled it very well on Netflix. The Cruel treatment of animals or, you know, just for whatever reason. Yeah. Factory farm kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have... So I'm wondering why you... Not why you don't, like, let yourself slip, but why you, you know, might spit that soup back out when you realize there's bacon in it. Uh, I guess I'm trying... I'm doing a science fair project is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I just want to see what if there's, like, some sort of differences, you know, and some changes. Now, I will say... I, I do, I would say that of the three, there's three strong reasons to try this kind of diet change and, or lifestyle change, I guess I should say. And one of them is definitely that, like you said, that morality of it with uh, ethical treatment of animals stuff. But, and, and like, dude, I love moo moo cows. I, I love them. Like they, they're like, they're like dogs, you know, they're just big old dogs basically. But, you know, I mean, I'd, uh, that that's probably third for me. I would say that the the whole methane emissions thing is something mm-hmm. that I I think of. I think about the uh, the impact of the meat industry as being an, a, a strong factor for me. 
but for for me really it is it's just trying to get my my ldls situated you know so you know my heart doesn't explode while i'm podcasting you know yeah well we don't want that because who would edit the show who would who would edit the show? Who would edit the show? Um, yeah, yeah. I I, I once drove down the inland uh, from north to south of California, the Inland Empire. I don't know if that's what that means, oh, but I, I've heard it used before. But trek. Yeah, uh, but but I, I can attest to there being quite a bit of uh, methane pollution happening on that side of the country. There's, I guess, a whole lot of cow farms, dairy farms. I don't know if it's dairy or, or meat, but. Lots of cows on the side of the road, and you can just smell them. Probably about an hour straight. It's nothing but methane. Yeah, we we talked we talked about that on the original eighty two about the cow farts and yeah that that sort of thing and how that's a big deal. But like it's also like the whole the whole thing the whole uh, from stem to stern moving them raising them. I mean, it, it puts out a lot of stuff, you know. And uh, I I don't know. Again, I look. I'm not here to tell to try to convert anybody. I don't care who does what. You do whatever you want to. I'm just saying that my doc said LDLs are my, my cholesterol was high, so like I'm giving it a shot just to see what it does, and I don't miss it. I bought I bought a pellet smoker a few years back, and I was a strong advocate for that. And I swear to God, because of Costco, I'd go and get you know the, the big old the big old steak thing, you know the thing with 50 steaks on it, and I'd be eating steak every day. And I'm like, ah, this is amazing, but I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> so what do you smoke now on the smoker? Do you use it anymore? Eh, sometimes I smoke some taters. I like smoking yeah. taters. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, the other people that I live with, they, they still eat the meat. And, uh, you know, smoke I, some I, nacho cheese. You seen that done? Ooh, man, you could smoke anything, dude. You could smoke pies. Oh, there's so much good goodness to the smoker. We got a lot of uh, ideas. Like, there's a lot of things I want to talk to outside of this quick hitty episode. But yeah, mark it down. Get down. So for my improving diet uh, resolution, and this is actually one I don't usually make them, but this is something that would qualify. I'm trying to cut back on sweets, Jack. That's something that's been a. I got a sweet tooth, and you're, found you're a my, sweets guy. Really, I'm a. I'm an everything that. guy. I mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot I'm not into. Man, gluttony uh, is wink. awesome. But yeah, so. Uh, I, I think it probably started around Halloween time when, you know, now we have two kids that, that are acquiring candy on Halloween. Mm. Back at, yeah. then it was none. So about that time, you know, can't have the kids eating the sweets, so we got to make it disappear before they know it's still here. And, yeah, probably for a solid two months, I was every night after dinner grabbing a handful of, you know, whatchamacallit, literally or figuratively. Literally, yeah. And, um, yeah, just kind of got, got away. And, you know, I hadn't noticed a ton going wrong. But it's no, like I, just, I felt guilty every time. So I kind of cold turkey in the new year after we got past the Christmas holiday where I knew there would be some goodies involved. Just kind of said, hey, I'm try not to do any sweets and especially in the evening. So here, here's my hack. If anyone snacks too much in the evening or grabs sweets after, after dinner, as soon as dinner's over, I go and brush my teeth. And that pretty much 100% of the time will keep me from eating because I'm, I don't want to call myself lazy, but like... You know, I just spent two minutes brushing my teeth. Last thing I want to do, waste another two minutes of my life brushing my teeth tonight. So I'm just not, you know, I'll grab a cup of water, glass of water, and, and that that's about it. Wow, I've never heard that. That might be the most useful fun fact or uh, <laughs> that I've ever shared. We've ever had on the show. Yeah, that's I've never heard that one. That's a good one. That's uh, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Um. And and the last thing I, I just have a note here. I say athletic greens question mark. 
Shots fired. No, no shots fired. It's uh, that's something I, you know, we we had a, a a team chat with the MST team, and I made the observation that uh, on podcasts of which I listen a lot of them, uh, I've noticed in Q1 here in the New Year's resolution time period, there has been an excess of advertisements for health related products, and at the top of that list has been Athletic Greens commercials. So okay, whereas what, normally, what is an Athletic Green? So, I don't know. Athletic Greens, if you don't know, if you've avoided these commercials somehow, it's basically, I guess, dehydrated fruits and vegetables is the easiest way to describe it. So it's supposedly fruits and vegetables in powder form, which means, hey, buddy, you don't like eating fruits and vegetables, but you just know that you should. You know, you've been told since the beginning that the food pyramid contains a very important uh, element and the fruits and vegetables. Uh, that's that's one of those. Uh, so the best way, Jack, to consume fruits and vegetables without eating fruits and vegetables is to mix this athletic greens powder in a glass of water. It tastes great. It's probably like a, you know, berry flavored or you might even get chocolate flavored athletics greens. And voila, it's like eating a bowl full of broccoli and, and blueberries in powder form. So that's the sales pitch and it's supposed to help digestion, you know, very fibrous, uh, maybe help your energy. Uh, give you energy so you can replace coffee or, you know, you're not lethargic throughout the day. That's that's the whole idea. And, you know, I'm being a little, you can tell I'm a little skeptical of these things. Mainly just the science shows that, hey, if, if, you've, if this thing says it contains, you know, five pounds of vegetables in every serving, you're not getting five pounds of vegetables worth of micro and macronutrients as a part of this serving. So my bone to pick with these types of products is more so them trying to draw those parallels of like, you know, replaces your daily intake of fruits and vegetables. When in reality, like, yes, these were derived from fruits and vegetables. Um, they contain some of the same ingredients because of that derivation, but you're not getting the benefit of eating fruits and vegetables. It was funny. I, I was, I was a horrified witness to this heated debate on on the text chain early in the morning by the way it was like a so too early too like early a six in, the in the morning conversation going on and it's funny because i don't know anything about this stuff and then all of a sudden my phone knew, knew that we were having this discussion somehow and so now i've got all these ads for it's always just a, a scoop of what looks like manure getting dazzled into uh uh, sparkling clear water and then dissolving into something refreshing or something. And I'm like, I, what is, I don't even, I don't, I, 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 cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like, it's a, it's a, it might be a healthful thing with benefits, but you and me with our background in athletics and everything, I think we've seen plenty of examples of the juicer or, you know, all these different, uh, things that they want to sell you, whether it's MLM type things or things you can go get right off the shelf. And yeah, like you said, I mean, who knows? Uh, I, my, my, my way of quashing this was like, let's see if the, the staying power of this thing, is this a thing that's going to be around in two years or is it going to be something like some of these other supplements and, and nutritional food products that we never hear about anymore. We'll check back with that in several years, Jack. Episode 100. We will continue following the story of nutrition. That's right. Now, rounding out the back half of this, 
Saving more, spending less. This is the first financial one we've got on here. Love it. And, I, you know, being on semi-lockdown uh, for the past two years, you'd think it would mean spending less, but I personally feel like we've spent more just because, especially on, like, the discretionary spending side of things. Amazon's so easy. You just Something pops into your head that you might want. You just, like, punch it up on your phone. Yeah. Next thing you know, two days later, you got it. Um, the old the old habits would have me kind of maybe mentally make note and three or four days later when I make my weekly target run, I might remember or I might not want anymore, so I don't worry about it. Whereas now it's just like, for me, I have a hard time stopping myself from just placing that order and having it show up, whatever it right. is. Yeah. I don't know if you've suffered I, from that same thing. No. Well, I, I disagree with you. I don't I don't necessarily think it's spending more. I think it's spending different. I think everybody for the last two years have been so limited in what they could do. Can't, can't go on big trips. A lot of the stuff that you, you used to spend money on is just no longer available to you. You couldn't really go to movies or concerts or what have you, uh, by and large, generally speaking, I guess. So instead, and, and this leads to, I mean, this is all connected. It's like, okay, well then why don't I buy this nice bottle of whiskey? Like why why not you know, <laughs> or you know why don't we get a bigger TV or why don't we install a freaking pool you know like there there's all sorts of things that you would have been spending that money otherwise but yeah now you're you're like okay well I'm gonna spend on this because that's what I can do yeah that's a good point yeah just redirecting those funds but also we see this in the housing market right there's all these people who are like that the the whole housing thing that that happened over the last year where prices went insane it was it was because a lot of people just they didn't have anything else to spend the money on so they're like well you know now now they're it's such a yeah it's such a weird dynamic right there's half half of this country is making less than 30 grand a year and the other half is like ah let me let me buy a tv to mount on top of my tv you know because like i have extra money for some reason yeah it's so yeah. weird it's such Strange days, Dan. Strange days. Well, these last two are the two most obvious that probably anyone listening could think of. So we'll roll them together. It's losing weight and exercising more. Oh, yeah. Classic. That's... And I started the segment off mentioning, like, you know, the gym's getting crowded. Yep. And people that normally go to the gym said, oh, gosh, you know, it's January. You got to put up with these extra people. But, you know, like we said, church on Christmas. Yeah, church on Christmas, Dan. I. I, I'm, st I've been trying to talk myself in and that's definitely my, that's if that's where I'm at. Like I'm working out, uh, more getting, getting out there and working out, but th those gym people can rest assured that I won't be an extra participant getting in their way on the, the, the stair climber, the stairmaster, because I, I still just don't feel confident or comfortable going into the gym. So I'm, I'm still residing down in the garage doing my modified CrossFit type things. I'll say that's that's my one exposure point uh, throughout this whole thing is I've still been, I say still been going. I did return to the gym after about six months. I built the whole home gym out similar to you. And wow. I just couldn't, like, it just didn't work for me. And, you know, with my, uh, my sweets addiction that I chronicled earlier, I had to do something and I just couldn't, find anything to fill that void so 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 why didn't it work for you what was the issue i just enjoy the environment and the equipment and the 
variety in the process of going to the gym, t- supplementing, right? Take my pre-workout drink on, on the drive there. Um, I'm a first of the morning uh, workouter, exerciser. So, you know, waking up at 4.30 and driving to the gym and being the first, not the first one, but amongst the first ones there at 5 a.m. There's just, I don't want to call it a ritual because that's like over, you know, over selling what it is. But for me, it was a something that's a routine. It's, it's it was a routine, routine that I enjoyed, yeah. and and getting out of that was just, you know, we talk about mental health. Like my mental health wasn't the same when I wasn't able to. So, you know, I'll say I'm like most probably ninety nine percent of the time I'm the only person at the gym with a mask. Even now, like even with the the latest mess going around, and I'm okay with that. Like I don't have any self conscious issues about being the only one wearing a mask there. Um, and like I said, I'm there at 5 a.m., so it tends to be the the slower part of the day. So, you know, that's one of the one of the risks I'm 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 taking through all this. Um, but I'll say, in that from that standpoint, my my resolution. I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but I'm gonna try to stretch more. Have you read about the the benefits of like hard? I don't want not hardcore stretching, but like legit stretching. Not you know pulling your leg back for 10 seconds, or but like. Right like dedicating time to stretching and like, especially as, as we get older and rounding the back half of my thirties here, Jack, and, uh, just want to stay a little more limber than I once cared about. Yeah. Not to brag, not to brag, Dan, but I've always been, I've always been pretty good about flexibility. And I, I definitely think that it is huge to stretch because there's so like the, the, I don't know, man, like we both, we both grew up, doing sports, doing pro wrestling. And there was so little emphasis on form, uh, you know, mindful movement, that sort of stuff. And so, you know, when I started to learn how to lift right, lift, lift correctly for one, but then also do those things, get on the foam roller, do some stretch, some yoga, some, you know, that sort of thing. It's huge. It's huge. And just to, it's just in a general reduction of pain for me, it's been, it's been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, we do poke fun, not as much on the air, but off the air at like CrossFit type things, just because of that lack of form that's emphasized yeah. and kind of the, the, the nature of that. But the one thing I did learn from my year or so in CrossFit was there was a whole lot of emphasis on stretching on the back end. Like yeah. you said, the foam roller, a personal yep. favorite of mine, getting the the racquetball and you know putting it under your shoulder oh, blade yeah. and just kind of putting mm. all kinds of weight there, and it just hurts so yeah. good. So yeah, that's some fun stuff. Man, stretching is is critical, but like you know the thing going back to your point about routine and why you needed to get in the gym, I totally respect that. The thing that's kept me working out consistently in the garage. I did do CrossFit. And, th- and again, this is another, like, I feel like we should do a full show about this later. I would go uh, to the CrossFit gym and I was older and more out of shape than everybody there. But I was so used to hurting myself in the gym that I took that experience, that that learned age, you know, learned experience from my age and be like, oh, the prescribed weight is 185 pounds. F you, I'm doing the bar, you know? So yeah. I would, I would, I would control the, uh, the workout, you know, yeah. to not hurt myself because I'm like, look, these 18 year old studs in here are going to be lifting 10 times what I'm lifting, but I'm not going to hurt myself. You know, I'm going to 
I'm going to emphasize form and, and get the most out of this workout. And so, uh, ironically, the last time I worked out in that gym, I was doing a partner workout and I was working out with one of these hosses and we were doing like the dumbbell from your, you know, from between your legs all the way over to your head, that thing. And I, I just destroyed my, my lower back. I just sciatica or whatever, sciatic nerve or whatever, just fell down on the ground, had to crawl out of there. And I was like, F this place, F every, you know. And so whenever the lockdown happened, I got on this, on this gym's website and I followed the, followed along their workouts, but I was able to modify it without some, you know, child CrossFit trainer saying, bro, let's, let's throw, bro, let's throw another plate on there, bro. Like, no, no, there, there's, <laughs> I'm going to do, I don't have that much, uh, equipment downstairs. So I'm like, I'm just going to go, you know, with whatever I have. And it's, so the progress has been consistent cause I, I don't hurt myself that often. I can keep going and uh yeah i'm i'm pro i'm pro garage gym man it's it's pretty awesome yeah well uh so is my wife if only for the fact that i uh spent a whole lot of money to build it out and then now it's just kind of hung on the walls there so um she'd be happy to see me put some of that to use um but yeah jack some gym some garage gym hangouts garage gym hangouts uh let's do it so yeah, that's the end of the uh, most popular resolutions in America list. But, you know, I think there needs to be one more resolution that makes it to this MST-specific list to clean up the MST studios. It's a mess in here. What? Are, are you not enjoying the hoarder house slash wasteland motif I've curated for us? Uh, Not really. Like, why do we have this Ouija board in here? D Dan, I would not touch that. Thank you for summoning me, the ghost of men-seeking Tomahawk's future. My name is the ghost of men-seeking Tomahawk's future, and I'm speaking to Jack and Dan. Oh, it's our ghost of men-seeking Tomahawk's future, the ghost who, for some reason, can see into the future, but only the future of this show. How are you doing, man? Why the call center-sounding voice tonight? Oh, sorry for that. Uh, with this new variant, they've got us all doing work from home. Uh, I'm just reading off the customer support script. Uh, please stay on the line after the call to take part in a brief survey. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you really are one of the more out there characters we have interactions with. Jack, didn't you say no more bits this year? I thought that was the rule. Hey, I'm not the one who summoned a ghost with the Ouija board now, am I? But I am glad you're here, though, Ghost of Men Seeking Tomahawk's Future. This will give us a chance to see if we keep to our New Year's resolutions. You mean in the future? <laughs> yes. Uh, for example, my resolution is to avoid the sweets. How does that eventually work out for me? Not well, Dan. Not well. You know, that, that really is a pretty hard resolution to stick to. Yes, yes. It's a challenging resolution made more so by the fact that your wife will admit to you that she has a feeder fetish. <laughs> well, hold on, wait, stop, stop, stop. What is a feeder fetish? Well, Dan, sometimes when two people love each other very much, one of them can only become sexually aroused by feeding their partner and encouraging them to gain weight. <laughs> That's... Beautiful? Indeed. Dan can really look ahead to a pretty great year. <laughs> and, and how in the world is that considered great? 
Well, Dano, you end up ballooning to over 900 pounds. You're bedridden, and ultimately they have to remove a wall in your house and hoist you out of bed with a crane for emergency lap band surgery. <laughs> okay, not to be picky or anything, but I don't know how that could be interpreted as a great year for me. Well, you see, Men Seeking Tomahawks winds up getting a pretty lucrative advertising deal with the company responsible for removing your wall and mm. craning you out of the bed. Oh, and there's also a smaller advertising deal you make with an adult diaper company, you know, due to your newfound incontinence. <laughs> you see, Dan, see, everything works out. Okay, so what about Jack? How does his indie baseballer or vegetarian or whatever resolution he has going, how, how's that going to go? Uh, well, I'm sad to say that Jack's fate doesn't go as great as yours, turns out, Danny boy. Uh, excuse me? What? In an ironic twist, Jack will receive a lifetime ban from indie baseball while simultaneously failing to maintain his vegetarian lifestyle. What? <laughs> Banned from all of independent baseball? Oh, Jack, what did you do this time? You mean, what does he do? In the future? Okay, okay, okay. Tell me. Tell what what happens? Well, Jacko, you put together a show trip to go see an indie baseball team, the Traverse City Pit Spitters. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, 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 see, I think he's making all this up. There's no way that's possibly an actual team name. Oh yeah, Dan, I'm making all this up. Why don't you uh, see see if I'm making up the Traverse City? Pit spitters up. Uh, you can check. Go ahead. On the internet. <laughs> okay. The internet. Fine. I will. Here we go. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. What? The Traverse City Pit Spitters. They are a real team. Oh, man. Duh, Dan. Duh. So while attending the game, our man Jack here realizes it's been an entire year since he began his vegetarian experiment. Suddenly, he begins to sweat at the thought of indulging in the flesh. Right then and there, he goes meat crazy. <laughs> meat crazy? What does he do? Steal a hot dog or something? No. He takes a gnarly bite of the pit spinner's mascot, Monty. He then proceeds <laughs> to go into an animalistic state and consume an entire two-thirds of the poor mascot's right leg. <laughs> right in front of the children in the grandstands. No, no, that is not possible. That That's insane. Not as insane as the game turned out to be. Real offensive shootout. Ended up going into extra innings. <laughs> wow, what a game. Oh, okay, so, so Ghost of Men Seeking Tomahawk's Future, just to reset who we're talking to here. Uh, what you're saying is I fail my resolution really bad. And, and Jack does too, with the side of cannibalism. Is is there anything else we need to know about the the future? Actually, yes. You both get way into corduroy jinkos for a couple of weeks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ghost of men seeking tomahawks future. That that's enough from you. Thank you for all of that. As the kids say, don't hate the player, hate the game. Bye. No, the, the, the kids do not say that anymore. They're all too busy saying that this is yet again the end of another installment of Men Seeking Tomahawks. 
Be sure to subscribe to the program on your favorite podcast app. Become a tomahawk-seeking person by joining us over on the social and hear more from the musicians featured on the show. Go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. Jack, I I can't wait for those Jinkos. I can't wait.